How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight, received their luck again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd, huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Just double-checking where I'm reading to. Because the joy of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sin, sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Very good. Well, we are going to uh, continue our study here in John chapter 13, and um, this is uh, yeah. We're going to look at a story of Peter's or Jesus predicting uh, Peter's failure, and uh, that's that's why I had asked Leslie to read that uh, that faith chapter from Hebrews 11. Uh, that talks about the the faithfulness of uh, the saints that have gone uh, gone before us in in the past, and um, I th- I just find that so inspiring uh, to hear those accounts of individuals who by faith uh, followed Christ no matter what the cost. And um, uh, here in this account, we we hear from Peter about the passion of his heart to follow Christ no matter what the cost. And, um, and we understand where that comes from. He's just gone through this uh, um, powerful encounter with Jesus. Uh, you remember we're now in the upper room. And uh, Jesus just a, a few moments before had gone through the process of washing His disciples' feet. And how Peter said, Lord, how would you, my, my master, how would I ever let you wash my feet? And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter with that exuberant outburst, and not just my feet, Lord, but, but all of me. And he had this uh, another 
insight and understanding that was given him by the Holy Spirit of, of what it was that Jesus was going to do in his life. And, and you can imagine on this, this emotional high of, of Jesus' affirmation, but you are clean, um, that he was, he was ready to take on the world for Jesus. And, um, and we come to this passage here in John chapter 13, and uh, we're going to start reading at verse uh, verse 36, and it's just a few, uh, just a couple of verses that we're going to look at uh, that tell this story. Uh, verse 36 of chapter 13 in John, it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? You remember that Jesus had just said earlier in verse 33, uh, little children, yet a while I am with you. You will seek me just as I am, as I said to the Jews, now I say also to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So Peter turns to him and says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him and said, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I I would lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. What a wonderful difference the Holy Spirit makes in our lives. Peter's heart is in the right place. Um, he, he wants to serve Jesus. He is all in for walking with Jesus no matter what they might face. Um, he, he, has, he has the heart. He has the desire. But as we are all familiar with and we continue to read on in this passage, just a few short hours from now, Peter is going to deny Jesus. And, and the, the, the fear that I think we all have experienced to some degree or another of being different, of being uh, looked down upon or mocked by the people that are around us for our faith. Peter got in this circumstance where he was just... A, he was taken off guard. Everything was happening so fast. And, and we're going to look at this passage a little bit, a little bit further in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, it'll be probably in a couple of months before we get to it. But, but everything was going so fast. The, uh, the, the prayers that Jesus was doing in the garden and the, 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 um, the uh, correction and, and the, the rebuke that he gave to Peter and, and the others for falling asleep. And then, and then the torches and the soldiers and the arrest and, and the cutting off of the ear and the healing and everything was going on so fast and suddenly Jesus was taken away and, and Peter was getting caught up in all of this and he, he got there in the temple court and, and he was just totally outside of himself and not prepared for any of the, the, the conflict. And, and in that moment of testing, in that, in that moment of trial where, where there was an opportunity for him to be identified and he was seeing all that was happening to Jesus... And he failed. And, and, and we know the story. We know the heartbreak. 
But we also have the benefit of knowing the rest of the story. We know the restoration that Jesus had with Peter there by the seaside where He asked him three times, just as many times as He denied Christ, He asked him again and again, do you love Me? We also know from church history that Peter did indeed lay down his life for Jesus. That that in the years to come, as he, as he encountered opportunities to preach, and he was himself pulled in front of the very same Sanhedrin, the same uh, court of justice that Jesus was there in front of, and he himself being ordered not to preach about Jesus Christ, and he said, I, I, I have to. I must. And, and, and facing the, the torture and the, the beating that he received for that and all of the other ways that he was uh, uh, hurt and abused and oppressed and persecuted for his faith and eventually came to the place where he was Crucified. And, and, and we read, I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Uh, and it just kind of goes right from uh, the time of Christ. The very first martyr for the, for the cause of Christ, Stephen. Um, and, and goes through and lists them right up until the point of, I think the, the, the latest one is, is in the 1800s um, that is being written about here in, in, this, in this collection. <clears throat> but in uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, we read about what happened to, to St. Peter. It says here, When Herod Agrippa caused St. James the Great to be put to death and found that it pleased the Jews, he resolved, in order to ingratiate himself with the people, that Peter should be the next sacrifice. He was accordingly apprehended and thrown into prison. But an angel of the Lord released him, which so enraged Herod that he ordered the sentinels who guarded the dungeon in which he had been confined to be put to death. St. Peter, after various miracles, retired to Rome, where he defeated the artifices and confounded the magic of Simon the Magus. A, f a great favorite of the Emperor Nero. He likewise converted to Christianity one of the minions of that monarch, which so exasperated the tyrant that he ordered both St. Peter and St. Paul to be apprehended. During the time of their confinement, they converted two of the captains of the guard and 47 other persons to Christianity. Having been nine months in prison, Peter was brought from thence for execution, when after being severely scourged, he was crucified with his head downwards, which position, however, was at his own request. When we read some of the church fathers, they talk about how Peter, when faced with his own execution, requested that he would be crucified upside down because he felt himself unworthy to be crucified in a manner same as his Lord Jesus Christ. What a difference the Holy Spirit makes. To take a person who is, is, is 
has his heart in the right place, has all the right pieces, but in that moment of testing is still weak in flesh. But on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and empowered Peter and all the rest of the disciples that were there, suddenly this ragtag bunch of, of fishermen and tax collectors and all manner of individuals became this powerful force through which the church, through which we ourselves are um, indebted to for our salvation because they were faithful and bold in their proclamation. Uh, when, when, we, when we read about all of these, uh, these faithful Christians, uh, we can know that it was through the work of the Holy Spirit that they were able to stand up in the face of all of this persecution. I, I thought as I was preparing for the sermon uh, this week, I thought it was kind of, again, uh, interesting that, uh, that this came so close in our annual calendar to, uh, to a significant event, Halloween. Um, uh, and and I, I'm not that familiar. I grew up in, in a Baptist congregation. I'm not all that familiar with, with all of the high church um, holidays and all those kinds of things. Uh, but as I was uh, in, I, I usually get the breakpoint uh, email that comes from Chuck Colson Fellowship. And uh, this week on Halloween, they shared uh, a story or, or a, a clip from, from Chuck Colson talking about All Saints Day uh, and, and its connection to All Hallows Eve, Halloween. Um, and, and I've heard some of these things before, but. Uh, it kind of struck me again that 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 this was something significant with this particular passage talking about laying down your life for your faith. And All Saints Day started off um, as a uh, a commemoration, an opportunity for the church to remember those who had sacrificed their lives in martyrdom for their faith. Um, and 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 one of the very first ones that we that we discover uh, that we hear about and and they begin to talk about this this commemoration of All Saints Day of of being able to to remember uh, those martyrs who had gone on before is uh, the Church Father Polycarp. Um, Polycarp was one of the very last individuals to have known one of the apostles. He was a disciple of the apostle John uh, and, and learned under John and was, was uh, taught uh, through all of that. And so he has a very significant position in our, uh, in our appreciation for theologians, for, for church fathers, because the words that he speak were the very same words that he heard from the apostle John and was passing those forward. And... and um, had a, a powerful ministry in his life. We read about his martyrdom uh, in a couple of places, but we actually there's a letter. He was uh, the bishop of Smyrna, and the church in Smyrna, after Polycarp 
was, was martyred, uh, they wrote a letter that they then circulated to all the other churches so that they would have an opportunity to hear uh, the faithfulness of, it was actually 12 martyrs that happened there in the church of Smyrna in, in a significant time. Uh, let me just read you, I'm just going to read you a few excerpts from that letter that we have here uh, for us today. It says, we are writing to you, brothers, with an account of the martyrs, especially the blessed Polycarp, whose death brought to, perse- brought to the persecution to a close. Almost all the events that led up to it reveal it to be another martyrdom in the divine pattern that we see in the Gospel. For He waited for His betrayal, just like the Lord did, so that we might follow Him in looking out for the needs of others as well as ourselves. True love desires not only one's own salvation, but the salvation of all of our brothers. When Polycarp heard that he was to be arrested, the redoubtable Polycarp was not in the least upset and was happy to stay in the city. But eventually he was persuaded to leave. And he went to friends in a nearby country where as usual he spent the whole time, day and night, in prayer for all people and for the churches throughout the world. Three days before he was arrested, while he was praying, he had a vision of the pillow under his head in flames. And he said prophetically to those who were with him, I will be burnt alive. The police and the horsemen came with with the young man at supper time on the Friday with their usual weapons, as if coming out against a robber. That evening, they found him lying down in the upper room of the cottage. He could have escaped, but he refused, saying, God's will be done. When he heard that they had come, he went down and spoke to them. They were amazed at his age and steadfastness. And some of them said, why did we go to so much trouble to capture a man like this? Immediately he called for food and drink for them and asked for an hour to pray uninterrupted. They agreed and so he stood and prayed so full of the grace of God that he could not stop for two hours. The men were astounded. And many of them regretted coming to arrest such a godly and venerable old man. When he finished praying, they put him on a donkey and took him into the city. As Polycarp was being taken into the arena, a voice came to him from heaven. Be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. No one saw who had spoken, but our brothers who were there heard the voice. When the crowd heard that Polycarp had been captured, there was an uproar. The proconsul asked him whether he was Polycarp. On hearing that he was, he tried to persuade him to apostatize, saying, Have respect for your old age and swear by the fortune of Caesar. Repent and say, Down with the atheists. Let me just stop there. Christians were called atheists because they believed in only one God in rather, rather than the pantheon of gods that were a part of Roman culture. And so they were assumed and, and called atheists. Um, and so that's, that's why he was saying, down with 
the atheists. Polycarp looked grimly at the wicked heathen multitude in the stadium and gesturing towards them he said, Down with the atheists. Swear, urged the proconsul. Reproach Christ and I will set you free. Then Polycarp declared, Eighty-six years have I served Him, and He has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my King and my Savior? It was all done in the time it takes to tell. The crowd collected wood and bundles of sticks from the shops and public baths. And when the pile was ready, Polycarp took off his outer clothes and undid his belt. But when they went to fix him with nails, he said, Leave me as I am. For he that gives me strength to endure the fire will enable me not to struggle without the help of your nails. So they simply bound him with his hands behind him like a distinguished ram chosen from the great flock for sacrifice ready to be an acceptable burnt offering to God, he looked up to the heaven and said, O Lord God Almighty, the Father of Your beloved and blessed Son, Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the knowledge of You, the God of angels, powers, and every creature, and of all the righteous who live before You, I give You thanks that you count me worthy to be numbered among your martyrs, sharing the cup of Christ and the resurrection to eternal life, both of soul and body, through the immortality of the Holy Spirit. May I be received this day as an acceptable sacrifice, as you, the true God, have predestined, revealed to me, and now fulfilled. I praise You for all these things. I bless You and glorify You among with, along with the everlasting Jesus Christ, Your beloved Son. To You and with Him and through the Holy Ghost be glory now and forever. Amen. And then the fire was lit and the flame blazed furiously. We who were privileged to witness it saw a great miracle. And this is why we have been preserved to tell the story. The fire shaped itself into the form of an arch like the sail of a ship when filled with the wind and formed a circle around the body of the martyr. Inside it, he looked, like, he looked not like flesh that is burnt, but like bread that is baked, or gold or silver glowing in a furnace. And we smelt a sweet scent like frankincense or some such precious spices. Eventually, when those wicked men saw that his body could not be consumed by the fire, they commanded an executioner to pierce him with a dagger. When he did this, such a great quantity of blood flowed that the fire was extinguished. The crowd were amazed at the difference between the unbelievers and the elect, of whom the great Polycarp was surely one, having in our own times been an apost 
apostolic and prophetic teacher and bishop of the Catholic Church in Smyrna. For every word he spoke either has been or shall be accomplished. The centurion then, seeing the disturbance caused by the Jews, uh, took the body and publicly burnt it. Later we collected up his bones, more precious than jewels and better purified than gold, and we put them in an appropriate place where, the Lord willing, we shall celebrate the birthday of His martyrdom each year with joy, rejoicing, both to remember those who have run their race and to prepare those yet to walk in their steps. This is the story of the blessed Polycarp, the twelfth martyr in Smyrna. Though he has a unique place Though he has a unique place, memory of all people, being remembered even by all the heathen. He was not merely an illustrious teacher, but also a preeminent martyr, whose death all desire to imitate, being altogether consistent with the Gospel of Christ, having overcome unjust governor with patience and acquired the crown of immortality. He now, with the apostles and all the righteous, glorifies God the Father with joy and blesses our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of our souls, the ruler of our bodies, and the shepherd of the Catholic Church throughout the world. What an amazing testimony of of the, the sacrifice of a faithful follower of Christ. Only possible because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Polycarp's daily participation in prayer, his, his devotion to, to, to knowing the, the teachings of Christ and to proclaiming that to all people, is a reflection of his dependence on the Holy Spirit in all aspects of his life. And so even in his death, he is a, a testimony to all. There are those kind of martyrs still today. Brothers and sisters of ours that are in um, hostile countries, surrounded by uh, neighbors and, and family members, um, who seek to take their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And they too are dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to play just a, a short clip of uh, a story of Pastor Han from North Korea. Who uh, I'll let the, the video tell the story. Too far. In the primary school, we were taught that all missionaries were terrorists. They told us that a missionary will be nice to you at first, but when they get you into their homes, then they will kill you 
and eat your liver. There was no food and no work in my village. Like some others, I snuck across the mountain border into China. I picked mushrooms in the hopes of selling them in Chiang Mai. I don't speak Chinese at all. But in the mountains, I met a man. He said, I can sell those for you. And he didn't cheat me. He gave me all the money from the sale. At that time, I didn't know he was Pastor Han. Over the next two years, I went back several times. Each time, Pastor Han helped me. One day, I asked why he would do this for he himself was in great danger for assisting a North Korean. It is because I am a Christian, he said. That made me afraid. Was he going to eat my liver? One day, Pastor Han said to me, God is real. There is hope for every person. I could not believe he would say that word, God. Nobody says that word. We know it is an act of treason. To speak the name of God can lead to soldiers coming in the night. I showed the Bible to my wife. At first, she refused to even look at it. Why would you bring that here? She cried. She knew that if anyone reported that you had even glanced at a Bible, you would be arrested, and not just you. You and all your relatives sent to the concentration camps for years and years and years.
Over time, my wife to learn that God is real. She found hope. And then I shared the word of God with my best friend. It was very dangerous for me to share. It was very dangerous for him to listen. One day in the summer of 2016, we heard that some North Korean assassins were being honored by the government, rewarded for their good work for killing a terrorist missionary in Chiang Mai. We knew it was Pastor Han. Who else could it be? We were frightened. Did they know he was my friend? Did they know I had met with him many times? Pastor Han gave his life, but he gave hope to me and to many other North Koreans. And despite the ever-present danger, many of us will continue to share the message that God is real. We hope that our sacrifice, when the day comes, will be worthwhile. Just like it was for Pastor Han. for me to imagine um, growing up in a nation like Canada, uh, what that would be like to live in a place uh, where it was illegal, uh, where it was punishable by death to be a follower of Jesus. And yet we know that things are changing here even in this nation, in this part of the world, where it is becoming more and more um, intolerable to be a follower of Jesus. Where, where things seem to be setting up for those who, who claim to the truths that are here are going to be called the, the wicked ones. And, and you know, I, I, there, there are times when I try and think, what... what, what how would I respond if that ever came to place, if I was ever put in a place of given a choice of either recanting my faith in Jesus or losing my life, or seeing the lives of my family? Um, 
hard to say. But I think as we as we look at the 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 truth of what happened in Peter's life and and in the others that are listed there in in Fox's book of martyrs. Doesn't matter that our hearts would be in the right place. That that right now I would say to myself, yeah, I would stand up for Christ. Um, doesn't even matter that that I would physically prepare. You know, if I had hoarded all the groceries and stuffs, if 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 it would become illegal for Christians to 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 buy groceries, but we were able to somehow live off the land and all the preparations that we could, we would find places where we would be able to hide and all the rest of that kind of. None of that kind of preparation is going to make a difference when it comes to that moment of making that choice. What will allow us to be able to to join Polycarp in giving of ourselves as an acceptable sacrifice for Christ is our dependence on listening and, and, and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. That He would bring the preparation that we would need in order to, to say the things that we need to say in those moments. That He would be the one who would give us the strength that we need to endure the hardships that we will face. That doesn't come in just that moment. That comes from a life of faithful dependence on the Holy Spirit, of looking to Him and listening for His moving in our lives, of following His leading in all circumstances and situations. Just like Peter or Paul says that we would walk with the Spirit, that we would keep in step with the Spirit. That is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day process. It's not something that just happens in that moment where, okay, now I'm going to follow the Spirit in this time of crisis. But it comes from a a life that is faithfully lived in step with the Holy Spirit and trusting in Him for every circumstance and every situation in our lives. And when we are in that place, we will be ready when the persecution comes, when the, the, the time of testing faces us. And we will have known the Spirit's voice in our lives. We would have developed a pattern of being obedient, of listening to His voice and following wherever it is that He leads us. And in that moment, we will be able to stand with with Peter, with Polycarp, with Pastor Han, with all the other faithful ones who said, I have served my Lord for all these many years and He has been good to me. How could I ever turn my back on Him? That's my prayer. That I would live that kind of life in dependence on the Spirit so that whatever God has in store I'd be ready. Let's pray.
Thank You, Father, that You have given us the Holy Spirit. That we are not just left to our own devices here in this life, but that You walk with us each and every day through Your Spirit. Your Spirit empowers us to face all of the challenges and struggles that come that come our way. We thank You that we can depend on You. That no matter what we face, whether it is the challenge of, of great blessing or it is the, the challenge of, of great lack, that in either of those circumstances and situations, that we would be attentive to Your Spirit's leading. And we would be able to run the race without the entanglements of sin that would try and trip us up. But we would keep our eyes fixed on You and know the empowerment of Your Holy Spirit to face whatever comes our way. Lord, we pray today for our brothers and sisters that are around the world who don't have the freedom to meet like this. Who face persecution and, and, and torment at every turn. Those that are even in prison now because of their, uh, their dependence on You, of their faith in You. Father, we pray for Your protection on them. Pray that You would continue to give them the strength that they need to be able to face all of these hardships that are in their lives. Lord, we pray that Your Holy Spirit would hold them fast in their faith. And through their faithful witness and testimony, even in these difficult times, would reach the ears and the hearts of others who would then say, who is this Jesus? And they themselves would turn to You and follow. Lord, we pray that You would help us to be faithful in the challenges that we have in our lives and in the days to come. Thank You that we have such a great cloud of witnesses that are such inspiring examples for us. Lord, we carry on um, carry on their torch in their faithful service to You. Thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.